In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Help, save. Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 23rd Sunday after Trinity is recorded in Proverbs chapter 8. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. 
Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. 
Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these things, they marveled and left him and went their way. This is the word of the Lord. It is easy, is it not, after going through the election season that we have just gone through, which isn't even over yet, for Christians to throw up their hands in disgust. I'm done with it all. All of the politicians are crooked. There's no justice. We seem to be a banana republic. You can't trust any of them. I'm throwing in the towel. We cannot do it. Not as Christians. As Christians who believe in Christ, our faith in his love and mercy is active in acts of love, goodness, and justice we engage in and advocate for in the civil realm. This is done not merely for the benefit of Christians and the church, but we as Christians engage in the civil realm for the benefit of society, even if vast numbers in the society don't seem to want it or appreciate it. The things we believe in, the things we respectfully fight for in the public square, are for the good of all mankind, even the wicked who may fight against such things. No matter how corrupt a government becomes, governments are necessary because of the problem of human sin and wickedness that permeates life in this fallen world. Even the worst of governments maintain some kind of law and order to prevent total chaos and anarchy. But when a government becomes totally corrupt and evil, when justice is turned on its head and trampling of the dignity of the human person by rewarding evil and punishing the good, eventually God will bring that government or nation to ruin and he will raise up another in its place. So King Solomon says in our Old Testament reading, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. By wisdom kings reign and rulers decree justice. By wisdom princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. 
you and I, as Christians, advocate for justice, truth, human rights, the sanctity of life, the honor in the civil realm for the benefit of all people, because these are universal truths and a part of the natural law that God has written in the hearts of every human being. We engage in the civil arena out of a deep and abiding faith in the goodness, love, and universal grace of God in Christ for all mankind. This is what Jesus did in his ministry for everyone, for the poor and for the rich, for the common man and for the nobleman, for the religious leaders and for the corrupt in the civil government. In every way, Jesus would yield to the civil authorities, to the laws, to the taxes, and even to unjust judgments against himself. But he did so by never compromising his faith or the confession of the truth. This is what it means to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. What is owed to the civil authority and what is owed to God are indeed to be carefully distinguished from one another, but they are not to be separated from one another. When Jesus appeared before Pontius Pilate, he carefully acknowledged the authority of the civil ruler, while at the same time confessing the truth of God's word. Jesus taught Pontius Pilate that he would have no authority over him unless it had been given him from above. And the fact of the matter is, God gave Pilate the civil sword. And Pilate used the civil sword. But it was Jesus' respect for Pilate and his careful confession of the truth before Pilate that caused Pilate to realize that Jesus was no threat against the state in spite of the false witnesses that were leveled against him. Jesus' careful engagement in the civil realm caused Pilate to see in Jesus an integrity that he did not see in the Sanhedrin or in the high priest. Pilate passed judgment on Jesus and in his position as the Roman governor from the judgment seat found no fault in Jesus. How wonderful. Had Jesus ridiculed him? Had Jesus cursed him? The outcome likely would have been different. There's great irony in what Jesus' words caused Pilate to do. Pontius Pilate, consider this, he officially declared Jesus to be who he actually is. Son of God, King of the Jews. In the St. John Passion, what I have written, I have written. That is the force of law, civil law, and God stood behind that judgment of Pontius Pilate. And then, wonder of wonders, he ordered Jesus' crucifixion, which meant that he was put to death not for any crime that he committed, 
but rather for being who he actually was, the Savior of the world. Again, I say, how wonderful. Do you see how God was at work in this intersection between the secular and the spiritual kingdoms? Between a civil ruler with all of his flaws and the Son of Man who acted out of faith in his Father and out of love for the world. Now, Pilate, of course, did what he did for political reasons. And as an affront to the high priest, he frankly was sick and tired of the Sanhedrin and the shenanigans of the high priest. But in so doing, he ended up confessing the truth. He who said, what is truth, declares the truth, Jesus is Son of God, and I find no fault in him. And he confessed this truth that he otherwise would not have known apart from the way in which Jesus participated faithfully in the public square. In that encounter with Pilate, Jesus gave us a clear example of what it means to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And he did not withdraw from that arena, but engaged in that arena with respect and in faithfulness to his heavenly Father. Through Jesus' proper engagement with the civil authority as the man of faith, God's ultimate will was accomplished for the salvation of mankind. We don't know as Christians what the outcome will be when we faithfully participate in the public square and engage the world as citizens. But when we act out of faith in Christ and love for the neighbor, in what we know as Christians to be true, and what we know from God's word to be in the best interests of society, God will accomplish his good purposes. That's his promise. We need to learn to believe that. Out of faith and love to engage in the arena of public discourse, to participate as citizens without fear, but with the utmost respect. Now that doesn't mean that Christians won't suffer. It doesn't mean that Christians will not be discriminated against. It does not mean that they may not even be martyred for their engagement in the civil arena. Not only may that happen, it quite often does, as the history of the church's engagement in the civil realm has shown. But if God accomplished his greatest good when Jesus was sentenced to death under such an unbelieving and unjust judge as Pontius Pilate, what will he accomplish through the faithful confession of Christians in the public square? The Pharisees who plotted against Jesus with their question about civil authority did not care in the slightest about the truth. But we as Christians do. The truth always matters. And the truth will not allow us, if we believe it, to disengage from the society and culture as citizens. It's nothing new to have politicians act out of political, self-centered interests. It's the history of the human race. But Christians care about the truth, 
anything less, becomes a denial of Christ. As frustrating, and I admit it's frustrating, as it can be to live in a fallen world where sin, evil, and injustice abound, remember Jesus. He had no sin, but he engaged in this world for this world's benefit. He died to save this world with all of its evil and corruption in the highest echelons of human power. Remember also that when we wring our hands over the disgusting evil and injustices in the world, that such sin is a part of our fallen nature as well. Lord, have mercy upon us. We engage the world in the civil realm not to save it. Only Christ can do that. But rather we engage the world as a confession of our faith in the one whose suffering and death is in fact the world's salvation. And Jesus' love in that supreme act of sacrifice as the proto-martyr at the hands of the civil government is what motivates us. Paul warned in the epistle for today that many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who set their minds on earthly things. That's not what motivates us. But such self-centeredness is a part of both civil leadership and all too often church leadership. Instead, our faith is active in love for everyone, because as St. Paul goes on to conclude that epistle, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. On that day, Paul says, he will subdue all things to himself. So you and I need strength for the task to remain steadfast in the Christian faith and to serve our neighbor in the civil realm, we are called to be pilgrims in this world. And our strength comes, most especially here, by partaking of the very body and the precious blood of the proto-martyr, Jesus Christ our Savior, who was crucified and shed his blood under Pontius Pilate, and who rose from the dead the third day for the life of the world to come. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess the faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. For us men, and for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. 
and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the baptized, especially Reverend Matthew Uttenreither, Angela Greshner, Mark Golterman, and Jim Weber celebrating baptismal birthdays this week, that they would walk according to the faith they've been given, always remembering that they have been marked as those who have been redeemed by Christ the crucified. Let us pray to the Lord. For all the men called and ordained to serve Christ's flock in his stead and by his command, that they would be filled with wisdom and compassion as they carry out their duties, let us pray to the Lord. For the Lutheran Church of Nigeria, for Bishop Sylvanus Willie, Reverend Ebok Luke, Reverend Elijah Asong, Reverend David Ukpong, Reverend Kufre Abasi Tim, in thanksgiving for the completion of their graduate studies and for God's protection and faithfulness to be granted to them as they return to Nigeria and begin their work. For Father Charles Wolkema and Archbishop Christian Ekong, in their selfless service to the Church of Nigeria, that they would be granted good health and faithfulness in their service. Let us pray to the Lord. For the healing of divisions among God's people, that the Lord would curb sinful ambition, silence the desires of our sinful flesh, and grant us hearts to be reconciled with each other in Christian love, so that all people will know we are his disciples. Let us pray to the Lord. For our national, state, and local officials, especially during this time of unrest following the fall elections, for all who work in government, for the rule of law and the maintenance of justice, for all who contribute to our general welfare, that God would grant them wisdom and temperance, for our police, firefighters, and all who served in the armed forces of our country, that they may be kept from harm and danger, and that in accordance with God's will, peace may be established in our day. Let us pray to the Lord. For the sick of our congregation, especially Carl Stemke recovering from a stroke, Jeremy LaFour and his family as he battles ALS, David Berger for his continual recovery after a second brain surgery, Jill Franklin, sister-in-law of Kent, recently diagnosed with breast cancer, Sarah Griffin for her continued treatment following thyroid cancer, Betty Ray Weber suffering with liver and bone cancer, 
Jim Nietzsche, Brian Nienabor, Roger Laubenstein, Harlan Peterson, and Allison Witte in treatment for cancer, that God would grant them comfort and healing in accordance with his will and sustain them with his grace in the joy of salvation and in the blessed hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Let us pray to the Lord. For the saints who have gone before us and fallen asleep in Christ, especially Tom Wallen, husband of Verla Gatchel's cousin Valerie, who died at the age of 84, let us give thanks to the Lord that we would encourage one another with the promise that when Jesus returns in glory, we shall dwell with them in his kingdom, which has no end. Let us pray to the Lord. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We continue with the singing of hymn 755. You may be seated.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive. Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper 
And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you, body and soul, in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace.
Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come in the Holy Supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming we may, together with all your saints, celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.